So as Dave already let you guys in on, we will be talking about communication today. And as they so, um, we'll say eloquent, eloquently showed us, uh, sometimes when the sender and receiver and communication are on two different wavelengths and the communication is not good, frustration takes place. As leaders, we want those working on our teams to have clear expectations. We want them to have zero doubt about what they're supposed to do. And vice versa, us being led, those of us being led, want to have clear expectations and clear guidance set for us. Poor communication stalls growth and causes frustration, which causes division, which kills teamwork. Proverbs 13, 17 tells us that an unreliable messenger can cause a lot of trouble, but reliable communication permits progress. There are three pitfalls of communication that we're going to talk about today that we need to, at all costs, avoid in order to be strong communicators, and in order to work together as a team as best as we can. The first thing that we have to avoid is presumption. We must avoid presumption. Now, presumption is a communication killer. When we presume, we assume that we know what the other person is thinking. And when we do that, we set our team up for failure. Now, we may assume that they know what we're thinking about, or what we're expecting, and they may even assume that they know what our expectations are. But when we don't clearly communicate the expectations we have for those people that are on our team, we leave the outcomes up to chance. And when we leave outcomes up to chance, what happens is a lot of times the outcomes we are seeking don't come to fruition. And when that happens, it causes frustration, like I've already said. It can also waste time. Right? No one wants to just waste their time. No one wants to do a job or a task and then find out later that that wasn't what was wanted from them in the first place. It's just a complete waste of time that causes so much frustration it's not even funny. And then the last thing that happens is that we have to redo the work. Right, The work that we already thought was going to come uh, to fruition, the work that we already thought would be completed, we have to redo it because the work that was done, although may, it may have been good work, wasn't the work that we requested or the w- work that we wanted. In Numbers chapter 14, we see the dangers of presumption. Because when we presume, we are not listening. In Numbers 14, the Israelites failed to listen to God. He had brought them up to the very precipice of the promised land, right? And he had told them, hey, at the end of your journey here, you are going to come into this land flowing with milk and honey. This is going to be like the best possible outcome for you. These things are going to be great. Like this is the land that you want. And he had shown them every step of the way up to that point that he was going to allow them to take this land. He had performed miracle after miracle. He had released them from the Egyptians. He had fed them in the wilderness when there was no food. He had provided water when there was no water. And each step of the way, each battle that they came across, each people group that they came across, they had conquered because God told them that it would be so. But for some reason, when they get up to this promised land, They follow the same exact steps that they follow every other place, which is this. They would send in a scout to look at the land and see what they were up against. They would come back, make the report, and then Moses and the Ark of the Covenant would lead the people out, and they would go to the land, and then they would conquer the land. And then the land would be theirs. And this happened time after time after time, and yet for some reason, they made the presumption that God had led them all this way for them to fail. It'd be like this. If I came in and I said, I'm going to give this church a million dollars, everybody would be like, eh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we won't hold our breath here, right? 
But if I had given the church a million dollars on three previous occasions, and then I told you on the fourth occasion, I'm going to give you a million dollars, I would expect that you would have some faith in me that that was going to come to fruition. It's the same thing with God. God had taken them every step of the way. He had conquered enemy after enemy. He had provided for them time after time. And when they got up to the promised land, they were like, eh, we're not going to do this. They went in, they scouted, and the Canaanites and the Amalekites were there, and they were scary people, and they were just like, well, yeah, we don't want this. God brought us all the way here to die. And so God got mad. God was like, look, I've, I've done everything for you people, and I've clearly expressed that this land was going to be yours, and I've showed you every step of the way that, you know, I, when I'm behind you, you can't be defeated. Like, this has been clearly communicated to you, and yet you turn your back on me in this time. And, and, and so God says, hey, I'm going to wipe all these people out. He's talking to Moses, and he's mad. He's fired up. He's like, I'm going to get rid of the Israelites. Like, they are going to be just gone from the face of the earth. And Moses has to step in and like, whoa, whoa, God, hey, just listen. If you do that, then the Egyptians are going to think, like, you're not who you say you are. You're not as powerful as you say you are. They're going to mock what happened because, like, the Egyptians are just waiting for this thing to fail. So they can say, hey, see, this wasn't by some other God. This is just this rebellious people group that we did so much for. And, 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 and now look at them destroyed. And so Moses is like, hey, let's not do that. And so God was like, okay, you're right. We won't destroy them. But nobody in this group who doubted is going to get to be in the promised land. And so Moses comes and he delivers that message to the people. He makes it very clear. This is what he says in Numbers 14, 39 through 45. He says, when Moses reported this to the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Now they're upset. Now because they said, hey, you're not getting into the land that God promised you because you wouldn't take it when he told you to go. You're not getting there. Now they're, oh, we're upset. Oh, look, what did we do? So early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country saying, now we're ready to go. Now we're ready to go up to the land that was promised. And surely we have sinned. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Even more, clear communication. Here's Moses explaining to the people exactly what is going to happen to them if they go and decide to continue with the battle. Instead, they say, hey, we're, we're going. So this is what happens in the next verse. Listen to this. Nevertheless, in their presumption... They went up towards the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. And then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down, attacked them, and beat them all the way to Hormah. So they drove them back. Lots of people lost their lives needlessly. All because clearly communicated ideas were presumed to be something else. One of the worst things that we can do on a team, whether we are a leader on the team or we're just a teammate of the team, someone being led, is assuming that someone's words mean something different. We can't do that. We have to let people's yes be yes and their no be no. And when somebody says something, until they give you a reason not to believe that, then you should believe their words. When we presume, we kill communication. We say, well, I don't really think you mean that, or I already know what you mean. And as a leader, maybe we're saying, well, this person, this is an easy task. Like, they'll get it done. We have to be clear in our expectations for people that are following us. And as followers, we should expect clear expectations from those leading us. And if we aren't giving them, then we should ask for them because it saves us time, it saves us frustration, and it keeps us working as a team. 
The second thing that we have to avoid to have solid communication and solid teamwork is impatience. It's impatience. When we converse, we want to be heard. Now, that's an obvious statement, right? We don't, like, no one talks to hear themselves talk except for Cordelia. She does that. I am convinced. And maybe some of you have kids that do that too. But, like, she talks just to hear herself talk. And, hey, we can't listen anymore. And she goes in her room, and she's still carrying a full conversation. And we're fairly certain it's just her, right? But other than kids, no one talks just to hear themselves talk. Like, we want to be heard when we converse with others. What happens is we want to be heard so badly and we want our our opinions and our views to be validated so badly that we are too impatient to listen to people that we are conversing with. We're too impatient to listen to their ideas, to see what it is that they may bring to the table and, and we're just so focused on the fact that we think our idea is a good one and we want our idea to be progressed and we want our idea to be accepted that at the end of the day we say, hey, I don't have time to listen to what you say, just listen to me. But impatience is a communication killer. When we are impatient, we tell others that we don't care about what they say, we don't value their opinion, and we have no interest in listening. As leaders, this makes us unfollowable, and as followers, this makes us unleadable. And with no one to lead and no one to follow, we don't have a team. We don't have a team. We see this in Scripture in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Now, I'm going to warn you guys ahead of time that this is a tricky passage. This is like one of those passages that you come across as a pastor and you say, I don't really know if I want to open this can of worms. So there's going to be some explanation to it, but bear with me because, I mean, it's a little tricky. <clears throat> Matthew 15, 21 through 28 says this, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. But Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came up to him and they urged him, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and she knelt right before him and she said, Lord, help me. And he replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So at the beginning of this passage, we're dealing with this woman who's crying out to Jesus, Lord, help me. My daughter's demon-possessed. She's greatly afflicted. She's in pain. She's mourning. She's just crying out for help. And this is one of those interesting instances where we see that it's written in the imperfect tense meaning that it was happening over and over and over again. She wasn't just like, Lord, help me. And they were like, hey, send her away. Even though I would argue that the disciples were ready to send her away right from the beginning. But over and over, she's saying, God, help me, help me, help me. And he, he's just ignoring her for the time being. He's just ignoring her for the time being. And the disciples come up and they say, hey, God, do you, you want us to send her away? Or, hey, Jesus, do you want us to get rid of her? And notice he doesn't say, yeah, send her on her way. But what he does say is something tricky here. Now, now this is one of those, I would call it almost a weird instance in the Bible where Jesus is playing politics, which is something that's a little uncomfortable and something we don't always see Jesus doing. But Jesus is playing politics here because this is very early in Jesus' ministry. And he's in the regions of Tyre and Sidon, which is Gentile territory. Jesus' whole goal of his ministry is to come and minister to both Jews and Gentiles. 
But if early, this early in his ministry, he had walked through Gentile country territory and just healed Gentile after Gentile after Gentile and focused on Gentiles, then the Jews would have just been like repulsed. They would have backed away. They would have had nothing to do with Jesus. They would have said, hey, this man is not for us. Look at him dealing with these dirty, no good Gentiles. And so Jesus had to play kind of the role of politician because he knew that the end goal was to be able to minister to both. He had to focus early on on the Jews. Now, if we look at this instance, this would have been expected treatment for a Gentile. Like for the Gentile woman, she wouldn't have been shocked by this treatment of Jesus and by his disciples, except for one thing. See, this is when it gets really interesting to like know the Greek and the Hebrew and stuff that I'm not like real strong on, but can just do enough. Jesus did something here. He used the diminutive form of dog. So it'd be more appropriately translated puppy. You're like, that doesn't sound any better. He's still calling this woman a dog. But when we see him use this in this instance, it is more poor thing than gross thing. Right? It's more, oh, you poor thing than gross thing. Because the, Gentile, the Jews and, and even his disciples, like they would have used the nasty term of dog. They would have meant trash. They would have meant like, get this dog away from us. And so Jesus, by using this diminutive form of, of, of that word, he shocks both the Gentiles and the Jews. He's still using an accepted vernacular term among the Jews for this Gentile woman. But even she and his disciples would have seen the softness in how he approached her. And she goes on to, to continue to ask for help. And, and Jesus, it's, it's kind of like a test, but it's not really a test, but he's just... He's making his stance known because, again, he's focused on the Jews here to try to start the ministry off the right way. And he makes the statement, it's not right for the master to take food from the children and give it to the puppy. And she replies back, but Lord, it is because even the puppy gets the scraps from their master's table. See, back then when they would eat, right, like meat, bread, and hands, stuff's all over the table, they would wipe the table off, right? I mean, that's... They'd wipe it clean. Everything would fall to the floor, and then the dogs would come in, and they'd clean it up. And so she's saying, hey, God, even, even, even the dogs, they get, to just, they get the, the crumbs. They get the leftovers from the master. And God, seeing this woman's faith, praises this Gentile woman for it and says, your faith is immense. It's amazing. Your daughter is healed. This would have blown the minds of his disciples. It would have blown the minds of his disciples. Here he is praising a Gentile woman, a woman that they would see as unclean, a woman that they would see as a dog, and he's praising her for her faith, and even more so, he healed this woman's child. And he made his way back around to it, and he did it in a way that was acceptable to the Jews, and yet soft enough to the Gentile woman for her to know that she was cared for and she was loved. But if the disciples had been impatient from the get-go, if they had just decided on their own to send her away, this moment of progress and progression in the Bible would have never taken place. Jesus was shifting the focus. Right? He was shifting the focus of his followers from these people being dirty, unclean, no good, trash, to lovable, to curable, to it being acceptable to interact with them. 
when we communicate, we want to foster progress, right? We don't communicate for no reason. We communicate to move things in our lives forward. We communicate to get to a better place. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing in this instance. But if his disciples had been too impatient to actually listen to what Jesus was saying or just send this woman away because she was bothering them or because they were so focused on their ideas of what things should have been, then this would have been completely missed. It would have been completely missed. And we see throughout Jesus' ministry that he loved for the Gentiles and he cared for the Gentiles and he, he ministered to them. And it didn't matter if it was Jew or Gentile, but a person of great faith who believed in him and believed who he said he was received his care and received his love. Yet another instance where Jesus is showing, I don't care whether the person's, you know, red, yellow, black, or white. I don't care if they came from the wrong side of the tracks. I don't care, you know, what may make them different than us. What I care about is what makes them the same. And what makes them the same is the belief that they have in Jesus. When we work on teams, we have people that will be on our teams from all different walks of life. Okay, they, they'll have different perspectives and they'll have different opinions. And when we converse and we actually listen, it moves us to a better place. It moves us to a better place. To a place where, where we can start to build positive things and where we can start to grow and where we can be more accepting of all types of people because we have all types of opinions forming our stances. But if we're too impatient to listen to others, then we miss out on all of this. And we become singular in our focus. And we don't want that. Impatience kills communication. The final roadblock to solid communication is pride. It's pride. It's that belief that, hey, I'm just right. I'm just 100% right. And it doesn't matter what you have to say because at the end of the day, no matter what you say, I will still be right. Pride is a huge, huge roadblock in our world today. We see it in all different walks of life. We see it in all different personalities. We see it in all different points of view. The people just, they're right. And they cement themselves in that and they say, hey, no matter what you have to say, I am right. And how can we communicate with others when we are just completely convinced that they don't have anything to offer us? Proverbs sixteen eighteen says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Nothing destroys a conversation like pride. Pride says, I know better than you. Pride says, I can't learn from you. Pride says, I don't want to learn or I, and I don't want to listen to what you have to say. What pride ultimately does is make us look foolish because pride comes before the fall. The problem is that pride isn't always blatant. Right? It's not always blatant. It's not always one of those things where we just come out and say, hey, I'm right. It's not like one of those things where we just have a t-shirt that says, you better not talk to me because you don't have anything to offer me. Like pride's not one of those things that we just wear on our sleeves and we're, and we're proud of. But it's something that's deep within us. And it's something that takes some self-reflection. It's, it takes time for us to really see, hey, is this there? And if we want to be good teammates, and if we want to be good leaders, and if we want to work together for the common good and to, to reach the place that we set out in front of us as our goal, then we have to get rid of pride in our lives. Because a strong team takes everyone's opinions and ideas into consideration. 
Don't let confidence in yourself diminish confidence in others. Don't let confidence in yourself diminish confidence in others. Take time to truly listen. Take time to let people know they're valued. And be a leader. Communicate things clearly. And open yourself up to having people ask questions of you. Because at the end of the day, that's what's best for all of us is that we work together and we work efficiently and we reach our goals. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I come to you right now. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a God who clearly communicates your expectations for your people. I pray, God, that as your people, we will clearly communicate our expectations for others and that we won't be so full of ourselves that we don't think that we can learn from others, God, and that we're not so impatient that we don't actually listen God, I just pray that you make us people who want to improve and to see others as tools to help us improve. Help us love one another. Help us to respect one another. Help us to be people who say, although you may think differently than me, I will still listen. Help us to be a church who clearly communicates our needs and our expectations. Help each and every member of this church to be people who are willing to hear those expectations and are willing to put in the work to meet them. God, at the end of the day, it comes down to two things. It comes down to love and to respect. And I I pray, God, that you put it on our hearts to love and respect other people that we come across. Whether they be family or friends or acquaintances or people that we've never met before, let us have the same godly attitude towards them. Seeing them as the valued member of this world that they are as your creation, as fellow sons and daughters or future sons and daughters of the King. We ask for all these things in your son's name. Amen. I'll be over here to the left as I normally am. If you need to pray about anything or talk about anything, come talk to me. Let's pray. If you need to talk about salvation, if that's something in your life uh, that you have not kind of fully come to grasp with or you would say I don't really have a relationship with Jesus come talk to me about that if you want to call Crosspoint your home you love this church as much as I do and and you just want to be a part of it come talk to me about becoming a member if you just need to rededicate your life something that happens something that that a lot of us have done when we just see ourselves falling so far from God knowing that salvation is still intact but but just knowing that we need to refocus on what it is that God would have from us. Come talk to me about that. Otherwise, let's stand and let's worship the one who loves us, who clearly communicates what he wants from us, and and let's just praise God.